All right. Well, again, welcome to 2020, first Sunday of a decade. I was thinking over the holiday weekend or the holiday season, my wife and I were down at her parents, and um, I, I realized, you know how you get those moments of, of epiphany? All of a sudden, something just pops in your mind? That I have spent 38 years, 38 new years with my wife. 38 years I've gone, we've seen the, the, the clock turn from one year to the other, 38 years. And there are some here that have done it. What's, Jim and Angel, how many years have you seen the New Year's together? 62. All right. Wow. That's, that's a goal for all of us. Anyone, anyone more than 62 years? I think you get the prize. And that's a good one to have. And so we're all going to be chasing you as the best as we can to keep up with you. But today I want to talk about time. I want to talk about time. And I think being the first Sunday of a new year is always an appropriate time um, to talk about time a little bit and recognize what it means and how important it is so that we can appreciate how God uses it. Because God is not in our time cycle. God created time for us, for our benefit. Um, but he's not subject to it. He's outside the, the bubble of time that we have. We have a beginning uh, that's very defined for us. And, uh, but because we're created in the image of God, you see a, a dog or an animal has a beginning and has an end. And they don't have a soul that continues on like we do because we're created in the image of God. So we're a little bit different than the animals. And the fact is that our soul never dies. We have a very defined beginning. Our birth or our inception, nine months before our birth, is when we're created and God knows us at that time because the Bible says that he knew you before we were formed in the womb and he had a plan for us. Before we were even conceived, God knew who you were. He knew your name. He knew my name. He knew who we were. He knew where we were going to spend our life. He knew where our, what our end was going to be. He knew all that. Because God knows the beginning from the end. Because he's not confined to our timeline that we are. We're on a timeline that's, that's very, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's um, ordered. It's step by step. It is very rigid, as Tom said. And, but God is outside that. So God created time, and he has a purpose for time in our hearts and our lives. And so we want to talk about that this morning, how important time is. So to begin this, I'm going to be very generous with you for the next few minutes. I'm going to give you $1,440, $1,440 every day for the rest of your life with one condition, that you must spend it. That you cannot save $1 for the next day. You have to spend all $1,440 that I give you every day. Would you take that deal? Yeah. Would that be very valuable to you? That you would have $1,440 every single day you wake up? You got $1,440 that day, but it must be spent that day. You can't save it. Be kind of fun, wouldn't it? But do you know that that is exactly what time is for us today? Because every day is made up of 24 hours. That means 24 times 60 is 1,440 minutes. 
So you are indeed given 1,440 minutes every day that you must use. You cannot save one minute for the next day. Everything that you get this day in the, in the, in, in the area of time is spent. Every moment that passes is totally gone, totally irretrievable, never to be repeated. Think about that. Every second that ticks by, you never get it back. It's gone forever. You're never going to get it back. It's gone. It's, It's either invested or it's wasted. And here's one thing that we need to know, that whether we waste it or we invest it, whether we think that time is valuable to us, whether I think that second was valuable for me, the reality is I will give an account for it. It's so valuable. God has given us such a valuable commodity, such a valuable resource of time that he says, guys, it's so important that I'm going to require a report card from you. I'm going to make you accountable for the time that I've given you because it's so valuable. Now, the time, we know the time that we have, it may be either wasted on stuff that has no eternal value. It may not be bad. It may not be immoral. It may not even be sinful. But we can waste time on things that have no value eternally. Can we not? Can you think of things in your life that you've wasted time maybe that you've wasted that you're going to maybe look back later and say whoa i wish i had that minute back i wish i had that time back that's why time is so absolutely vitally important i can't stress it enough time usage is very important and every person has the exact same amount of time there is not one person in this world that has 1441 minutes in their day Or nobody has 1,439 minutes in their day. Every person has 1,440 minutes in a day. And every one of those minutes is spent never to be retrieved back. And the thing that determines how our time is rewarded totally depends on you and me. I am responsible. The only difference between you, Andrea, and me, or Andy or anybody else is how you use the time. It doesn't change how much time you have. The only thing that's different about it is how are you using it. I I look at I look at busy people, and I'm amazed at how much they can get done. And I'm just going to use this man for an example because I believe he's very um, productive in many ways. A lot of things he does, maybe we can. Maybe we can wince at a little bit, or maybe we can look at say, why do you say that? But I look at our president. I look at Donald Trump. And I look at how busy that man is and how much he gets done. My understanding is he gets up early in the morning. He doesn't sleep a lot. I don't know of any presidents that probably could sleep a lot for all the responsibilities that they have in the office of president. And I'm amazed at how much they can get done in the same amount of time that I have. We, we're, no, we're no different in that area. We have time that slips by. So the question for us today is, how are we using our time? Are we using our time wisely? Are we investing our time? Or are we wasting our time? 
These are big questions. These are the questions that you and I are going to be judged upon in years to come or times to come. I'm not sure how far out your, your time is where, you, where you're going to stand before the Lord or I'm going to stand before God, but we're all going to stand before him and give an account of our time. The question is, what are we doing with it? What did 2019 bring to you? Was it a profitable and a good year? Or did it bring some pain and some frustration? I want to show a little video. Larry, could you run that little video on? This is entitled Regrets That You Will Never Have. Regrets That You'll Never Have. I wish I'd spent more time at work. I wish I'd gotten more sleep. I miss watching a lot of great football games. I never got to spend enough time on Facebook. I wish the walls weren't so scratched up. to drive a cool car. I wish that planter in the backyard didn't wobble. I wish the house had been cleaner. I never had enough time to work on my fantasy sports teams. I wish I'd had more money for myself. I wish we'd slept in more on Sunday. for ourselves. Where did you see yourself in that little video? Was there a little clip there that kind of got your heart? The one that got me was when that little girl was being water baptized. You know, that to me is the most important thing we can spend our time on is our children teaching them what it is to be a follower of Christ. Teaching them what it means to have Jesus in their life and to follow his example by water baptism and then living in it. Then they were sending their daughter off to college and having that assurance that her heart and her faith was solid before she left the house that they could send her off to college knowing that her faith was secure. Wow. That's a good use of time, folks that we would invest ourselves in our children that way. But here's the thing. We can't invest ourselves in our children that way until we've invested in ourselves that way. You see, time has to be invested, not just wasted. When you come to church, can I promise you that you're not wasting your time if you're coming in to learn, if you're coming in to embrace what God has for you, if you're coming in with an open heart. It's not a waste of time to spend 30 minutes, 90 minutes in church service, whatever it is, 
Sunday school, even advance of that. So many good things we get out of that. And it's good that we stop every so often and take an inventory to see what our time usage has been and where is it taking us. What are the consequences of your time usage? Because there is a consequence to it, amen? Yeah, we're going to be, you're going to be accountable to it whether you've wasted it or invested it. Now, I know that it can be difficult sometimes for us to look backwards, especially if you've had a hard year. And I want to be sensitive to that. I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive at all when we say to look back because sometimes we've had a bad year. We've had some losses. We've had some people have lost spouses or lost fathers or mothers or siblings or in, in death, and, and those are hard things. No, no doubt they're hard things. But if we have Jesus in our hearts and lives there, if that person that has passed on had Jesus in their life, then it's just a temporary passing. Can I just give you that much encouragement that you will see that person again? But those are hard things, and there's been other things. Maybe some have lost jobs or homes or lots of things. And and for others, maybe this might have been a great year, and so we're celebrating year 2019, and that's awesome. We want to celebrate with you. And for others, it was just another year. (laughs) Not a whole lot happened too differently, and that's good too. But the important part is that we're here together. One common element that you and I have today is because we're in this room today all taking a breath. So we all made it through 2019. No matter how bad it was, no matter how good it was, we all made it through. So congratulations. Good job. We did it. We got through another year, and now we've got another one to walk into. We're all given, the beautiful thing about time is that we're all given the next minute according if it's God's will that he tarries and that I, he doesn't say, Mike, it's time to come home. Um, when he says that, I'll be happy. But until that time comes, I'm thankful for the next breath, aren't you? And we have all the next minutes. And here's the important part, is that if I have another minute to spend, if I have to make a change in my past, it's wise that we use next minute to start making the change, right? It's, it's wise of us to look at the opportunities we have as we walk through our future to look at our past and say, what can I learn from what happened last year and how can I change it in 2020? What things do I need to change in my life so that I can make this year, to the best of my ability, to make the coming year better, more profitable, more rewarding than 2019? That's the beauty, that's the value of time. We're not captive to our past. I want us to understand that. We're not captive to our past in any way, shape, or form. We're not controlled by our past. Our past does not identify who we are. Some people will look at that and become a victim, and they'll have a victim mentality to say, oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I can't be anything bigger than who I am because of my past. Can I say nonsense? That's not true. Your past does not determine your future. Let me say that again. Your past does not determine your future. Your future is totally up to you this moment in time to say, I'm going to make the best out of my minutes ahead. And my minutes are going to turn into hours. And my hours are going to turn into days. And my days are going to turn into weeks and months. And we all know how fast time goes. So it's wise of us not to let any minute go by wasted that we don't let that one think, oh, it's not important, and that gives me a reason to go back and maybe be lazy in some areas. Well, I'm going to help. I'm going to try to encourage us not to do that. 
We are able to make the future different if we choose to make it different. It really does come down to the power of our choice. Do you know how powerful your choices are? You can choose, I can choose to waste the blood of Jesus. We're going to have communion at the end of service today. And I can choose, I have the power within me to waste that. That's powerful. You know, and God trusts us with that power. He wants us to make the rise choices with that power of choice so that we don't waste the blood of Jesus, that we don't waste his sacrifice. But I have the power because he gave me that power because that's, that's the only way that I can really prove my love to him is because I make the right choices that I have. I have the power to make the right choice that would honor him to prove to him that I love him. If I didn't have the power of the choice, then there's really no way for me to prove my love. Right? That's how important our future is. That's how important the time is. And that's why the past does not have the power to define you unless you allow it to. Unless you play the victim. Unless you take that victim mentality and say, oh, I can't change my habits, I can't change my desires. I can't change my addictions because the past tells me that I can't. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that you can change it, that you do not have to be held captive by your past. If you have an addiction, you can break it. By the power of God, you can break it. The Holy Spirit will help you break the addiction, and that addiction may be a bad thing or it may be just addiction of laziness. It may be just an addiction of I can't get up on Sunday mornings to become the church. <laughs> it just may be an addiction to say I'm, I don't want to read my Bible. God can help us break that. So with this simple introduction this morning, I want to spend some time, I want to know this morning what God thinks of our time, and I want us to know how valuable he, he values this very valuable commodity. In Psalms chapter 90, beginning at verse 10, and the Living Bible says this, beginning at verse 10 and then also verse 12, it says, Seventy years are given us, and some may even live to eighty. But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. And then verse 12, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Now, that's a powerful way to pray, folks. That's a powerful way for us to go before the Lord every day and say, Father, I don't know how many days I have left. I don't know how many minutes I have left. But I want to make sure that I'm honoring you with all of them. So would you teach me how to use the time that I have left? Would you teach me how to do that? Would you help me to spend the time that I have? If I could really understand that here I have a God that is so wise, so all-knowing, he even knows how many hairs I have in my head. The Bible says that he has the hairs in my head numbered, just like he has the sparrows accounted for as well. And we're all much more valuable than the sparrows, and yet he knows about them, so how much more does he care about us? He knows my future. And he knows where he wants to take me. And he has a plan for us. 
The psalmist understood that in Psalm 138, verse 8. It says, The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. You see, the Lord, has a, he has a plan for us. If I'm a follower of Jesus, there's a big if there. Now, let me just stop and make that a big caveat, because that's the truth of the matter. If I'm not in relationship with the Lord, then he doesn't have the ability to work out his plans for me, because I haven't given him the power to do that. But when I ask Jesus into my heart and I say, I am a follower of Christ and I am a child, I'm a joint heir with Jesus, I am a child of God, I give him the authority then to work out plans in my life that he didn't have when I was rebellious. That's some of the caveats of God's word. That's some of the ifs of God's word, that if I accept Jesus and I live for him and I make him my focus and I'm committed to following him, then he will work out the plans in my life. That's how, I, that's how we can read the next passage, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and probably you know this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, the reality is many people want the future. Many people want the good. They want the hope. But not many people want God. You know what I'm talking about? We want the good that God gives us, but we're not so much sure that we want God. Well, can I just encourage you that it doesn't work that way. <laughs> we have to have God in our life and we need to be seeking him and honoring him. Paul writes this to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your, your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like God knows something about our future here that he's giving us this instruction for. <laughs> Do you ever, get that? you ever get the feeling that God might know what's ahead and he's given us good instructions to live our life so that we can avoid some of the problems that, that we might be running into if we're not wisely using our time or wisely choosing him? And so if that's the case, doesn't it only make sense for us to listen and to read God's word and to listen to what it says and then to apply it in our life so that we can avoid maybe some of these unnecessary pitfalls that we run into because we're going with our own choices rather than God's? Let me just pause here for a minute. Let me ask the question. If God really has my best interest in mind, if God really has your best interest in his mind, why do I, and maybe why do you, struggle so much living honorably before him? Think about that for a minute. If God really has the best thing in store for you, and he's saying, Mike, put your name in there, if you would only honor me, and if you would choose me, I would I'll promise you blessings in life. Blessings may not always be what you want, 
but blessings are what God gives that are best for you. And then he says, I have an eternity in store for you. The Bible says, Jesus said that, that or the Bible says that Jesus has gone ahead. And what is he doing in heaven right now? What's he building? He's building mansions. He's building, he's, he's building a place for you and I, those that honor Jesus, all, those that honor him and live for him wholeheartedly and without abandon, he is building a mansion for you and I for all eternity to spend in. Now, if that's the case, why then do I have a problem with honoring him here with my time? Man, we need to just think about that. And that would really help us understand what our plan, what, our, what we should be doing. So as we begin the new decade of 2020, I'm advising us, I'm encouraging us, I'm urging us that we would only allow God's purposes to settle into our heart. That we would seek what he has for us. That we would recognize that the most important thing that God has given me, that I have somewhat of control over, is my time. And what I choose to do at that time is very important. It's valuable. More valuable than what we can ever begin to imagine. Now here's some interesting facts about time. Time cannot be hoarded. It must be used up. It cannot be saved for a rainy day. Time cannot be recovered. We've already talked about that. Once, it's, once that second goes by, it's gone. Author A.W. Tozer says this about wasted time. He says, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You can't store it, you can't hoard it up, or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. I like the fact that he said it's not transferable. I can't give you, Andy, some of my time. I can't say, Andy, I'm not going to use all my time today, so I'm going to give you 10 minutes. I'm going to extend your life 10 minutes, Andy, because I'm not going to use all mine. can't do that. It's not something we can trade. It's not a commodity that you and I can trade. It's something that we're all assigned a certain amount of in our life, and it's all a gift. It, it is a, a gift from God. Nothing more important in this world exists than the gift of, of time that God gives us. That's why... Murder is the worst possible crime a person can commit because you're stealing somebody's time. That's why abortion, that's why aborting babies is so vitally wrong because we're stealing a God-given gift that that child was supposed to have called time and somebody's taken it away from them. It's that valuable. Time cannot be measured with what's left coming. I don't know how many more minutes I have on this earth. I can't measure that. I really don't think, I really don't think that we comprehend. I, as I've been studying this over the past week or so, I have come to an appreciation from myself that I don't comprehend how valuable time is. It, it's something that I easily waste. I, I don't see the value. I can't, I can't and, I, and I can't see the value maybe because I don't understand eternity. I, I don't understand that my time that I spend here is going to determine where, I gonna, where I'm going to spend eternity and not only where I'm going to spend it, but what am I going to be doing in it? 
You see, that little bit of time that I have between my birth and maybe my 80 years, I'm 61, I just turned 61 in December, and that, where I'm going from thereafter, that little bit of time I have from, 60, from birth to maybe 80, I'm not sure, but that little slice of time is going to determine where I spend eternity, way down the path that I don't even see today, where I'm at. Am I going to be in heaven or am I going to be in hell? That's the big one, first of all. That's the big one. <laughs> I've got to make sure that I'm doing everything I'm doing in my life today to make sure that I'm going to be in heaven. Because if I'm not in heaven, the alternative is hell. And that's, can I just say it? It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. You don't want to spend any time in hell, let alone an eternity in hell. So you better be doing, I better be doing everything I can with my time today to make sure, first of all, that I'm in heaven first. And then once I'm in heaven, there's going to be lots of rewards that are going to be coming my way, depending on how God looks at how I've used my time as a Christian. And some may say, well, I don't really care about rewards in heaven. Well, you can say that right now, but I will tell you, when you get there, you're going to be wishing you had more. Because God has so many great things in store for us. Heaven is going to be so awesome. Just the fact that I'm there is going to be awesome. I get that. But you know what? When I can look at God and, and when I can know, when I can actually see the pleasure on his face as he gives me the rewards of how I've spent my time here, our, our, our mission statement is to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. I'm going to be heavenly effective as I'm relevant on earth, as I'm using my time wisely here, building the kingdom, coming to church, inviting people to church, being the church outside of the four walls. I've got to tell you this. We were down in um, Cadillac yesterday. We were coming home, and I, we, we stopped at a Taco Bell because I like taco salads. And um, we were waiting there, and I was standing next to a gentleman, and he had his hand all bandaged up, and so I started talking to him. I said, well, what happened to your hand? So I, I busted my hand. I said, well, did you do it on work? No, I didn't do it on work. So I started just, I just had this, this unction to keep talking to him a little bit. So I was talking to him, and, and I said, well, well, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a, I'm a deputy sheriff. And I said, oh, okay, good. I say all that to say this. The Lord put such a burden in my heart for that moment, that moment. He said, Mike, you need to pray for that man. And I'm arguing with the Lord. I said, no, God, I'm in Taco Bell. Come on. And so I, I ate my taco salad, and he was eating his, whatever he had, burrito or whatever he had. And we were both kind of getting ready to leave, and the Lord was really working on my heart. And, and this is what I don't understand. Why do I fight that? Why do you fight that? And so anyway, as we're finishing up, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling miserable now. I'm thinking, if I don't pray for him, I'm going to be miserable all day long because I'm going to be missing an opportunity. I have no idea what is, I don't even know what to pray for. But as I was getting up, I was just feeling this in my heart so strongly. I just said, Chris, i got to go pray for this guy. She goes, what? I said, i got to pray for him. She goes, okay, go ahead. So I went over, and I just sat down next to him, and his name was Chad because I heard him. His name was Chad and when took the order. So I said, hey, Chad, like I knew him. And he looked at me. I said, hey, Chad, listen. I said, I'm a pastor, and uh, I just feel like I need to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you right now? And he looked at me kind of funny, and I looked at his wife. I'm assuming that was his wife. I said, uh, can I pray for you? And they said, yeah. So I prayed for him. And I got to tell you what, I have no idea what happened. I don't know. I just prayed for health. I prayed that his hand would heal quickly because we talked a little bit earlier about shooting a gun with his right hand. It was a shooting gun, a shooting hand. But he said, I can shoot left-handed too. I said, well, that's cool. But, you know, and that and just protection on the job. But I have no idea what he's thinking about right now. 
maybe that's maybe something that happened in that prayer time that might have got him thinking about man maybe i should go to church or maybe i should think about this god thing i have no idea and i'll probably will never see him again maybe sometime maybe i'll see him in heaven someday and that's the beautiful thing about what we're doing here is that whatever you're doing here that is honoring god with your time that is helping people see their need for christ and if that person gets to heaven recognize the fact that I truly believe that God's going to allow us to know that. That we are going to be able to see people that we influenced here that we may never see again in this life, but when we get there, they're going to say, you prayed for me. And that prayer, or whatever you did for me, was one of the things that I needed to have happen in my life to get my attention on Christ. And he's going to say, thank you. Do you know how much of a reward that's going to be? See, and if I don't take advantage of those time elements like that, if I wouldn't have prayed for him, I, might, I, I would have missed something. He maybe missed something. I'm so glad that the Lord deals with us. And, and I'm sure you have had opportunities like that as well. And I would have just encouraged us all that we always look at those opportunities and never waste them. If the Lord gives you that unction to pray for somebody, just do it. You don't have to be weird about it. You don't, have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to go, hey, everybody in this whole restaurant, be quiet. I'm going to pray for Chad. So everybody be quiet so I pray. You don't need to do that. You just walk up next to him and say, hey, Chad, can I pray for you? It's cool. That's, it honors God. Another thing about time is God's timing. And this is something that I think we all struggle with a little bit because we always want things, or we often want things very fast. I'm not a very patient person, and maybe you aren't either, but the Bible is full of, of, of instructions for us to be patient and wait on God. And he also gives us very good things for us to be aware of and that we know what God wants from us. God wants us, he wants all men to be saved. Let's just take that for, for granted. Let's just know that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4. Uh, it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be, be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority, our president, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, because this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Sometimes people aren't going to come to a knowledge of the truth unless you're being Jesus to them. Maybe you're the only Bible they're going to read. Maybe your life is going to be that example. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God, God's plans for you are to protect you from yourself. Think about that. God is protecting you from your own flesh, from the own sin that would rise up in your life. He says, I love you so much that I want to do things in your life that will bring you to an attitude of repentance, of salvation. And then there are those things that we just don't know what in the world is going on. Why isn't God answering my prayers? I'm praying all kinds of good things. I'm Doing, I'm even fasting. I mean, I'm doing all the right things, but why doesn't God answer my prayers? Well, the writers of Proverbs tells us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And let me just add this. In his timing. God's timing is always perfect. I might get upset, I might get anxious, I may be impatient, but God's promise is that he is to protect us and to guard us and to guide us through a righteous lifestyle if I will only trust him in that area. And then he will show me the path to take. Psalms 85, 9, uh, verse 9, and then 11 through 13. This is in the Amplified Version. It says, Surely his salvation is near to those who reverently fear him and obey him with submissive wonder. Truth springs from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before him, and he will make his footsteps into a way in which to walk. Let me just say, God is not short on giving good instruction. If you're wanting it, you may not understand it, you may not agree with it, it may not be in your timing, but God is faithful in giving us the instructions that we need to live by. Do you agree with that? Do you know where to get that? In the Bible. Coming through in church sessions like this, in Sunday school class, in Bible studies, in, in conversations over a cup of coffee with, with a, a Christian brother or a Christian sister that you're talking, to God, you're talking together about, God appears in those moments. He comes to bear in those moments, and he gives us his wisdom, and he gives us the strength that we need to have. Even in those moments that we don't know where he's at. Because I will admit, there, are, there have been times when I have seemingly done everything right, but I'm still really in a hard time. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever had life just throw you curveballs that you really don't know why? And sometimes I feel like I'm all alone. Do you ever feel lonely? Do you ever feel that God's abandoned you? Can I tell you that he hasn't? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus prays this way and he says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or a helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. We are never alone I want you to know that. Even though in the days that you feel alone and you feel abandoned, that is a testing ground possibly. There are some things happening and my advice, my counsel to you is just get on your knees before the Father and say, Jesus, I need you now. I need you now more than ever. I know you haven't abandoned me. First of all, it's a good time. That's a good time to just um, take a, a little inventory of your life. How have I been using my time, Father? Have I been praying? Have I been reading the word? Have I been doing things honoring you? If so, would you please make yourself known to me? And if I haven't, then forgive me. That's a time of repentance. That's a time that we come before the Lord and we say, okay, God, if there's something in my life that's not right, show me so that I can make it right. That I then can come to you with perfect relationship because that's, what's, that's what this is all about, folks. It's not about, this is not religion. I'm not preaching religion here. I'm preaching relationship with Abba, Father. 
And that's what we want. And then in Romans chapter 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When I have that relationship, when my heart is right with the Lord, I have all confidence in that all things, no matter what the timing of God is, no matter if it's in my timing or not in my timing, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Great promise. So with all God's timing and his directions, how should we use the gift of time that he's given us? How should we use it? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. I use my time for the glory of God. Now what does glory mean? How do we, how do we glorify God? Well, the same way that you would be glorify your spouse. Basically, you speak well of him or her. You speak in front of people. You encourage them. You speak well. You, you give them good reputation. You um, praise them. And it's not wrong to praise your spouse, to show them to appreciate how much you love them, to appreciate how much you think of them and, and how much they've helped you. You glorify your spouse. Well, we bring glory to God by doing the same thing, by we speak wisely of him and we speak of good of him so that, we speak so that the world around us says, well, I want what you have because whatever it is, you're speaking good of him and it makes a difference in your life. You bring glory to God. We bring glory to God by learning what it means to invest our time. God is a God of investment, right? We all know that. There's been, there's parables in the Bible. There's all kinds of teaching in the Bible that God is not a wasting God. Everything God does, he does for a purpose. And he gets, and he expects a return. And he does the same for us. So we're to invest our time. And we're to invest it in ourselves. Nothing wrong with investing time in yourself. I have to take care of myself. I have to eat right. I have to sleep right. I have to get good exercise. I have to make sure I'm taking it, you know, I'm, I'm educating myself. That's, I'm investing in myself. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you don't invest in yourself, how can you invest in other people? We flew to Florida, and you know, you know, the, you know the routine. You get on an airplane, and they say that if there's a, a cabin depressurization, that there's going to be this little yellow cup that's going to fall out of the ceiling, and and you have to put it on your face to breathe because that's oxygen. But it always says that if you have somebody with you that you have to help, put your oxygen on first, and then they'll help them. Because if you don't take care of yourself first, there's a chance that you may not be able to help them. If I'm going to help somebody else, and I'm not, if I don't have my oxygen mask on, and if I'm fumbling around trying to get theirs on, and I'm not breathing right, and I'm losing oxygen, I could pass out, and we both are going to pass. We're, we're both going to die because I didn't take care of myself first. That's not selfish. That's called preservation. <laughs> it's called being wise. So invest in yourself and then invest in people. And then the Bible says you love others as you love yourself. Right? That's what he says in John chapter 13. Verse, four, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We invest our time by investing in people. What better way can you prove that you love somebody by giving them your most valuable commodity or your most valuable resource, and it's not your dollars, it's your time. You saw the little video that we showed? 
the time of a father spending with a son, teaching him how to build a planter. And I'm guilty of it. I wish I could go back and spend some more days with my son in the past and, and invest more into his life. I was so busy, I, I, could, I, I could mold the grass better myself rather than to teach him how to mow a straight line. Like, straight lines were important for wh- whatever reason. They worked to me at the time, so I just did it myself. And I'm thinking, man, you are so foolish, Mike. You wasted such great opportunities that I could have spent with my son by just saying, I don't care how you mow the grass. Just get it done, <laughs> and then let's go play golf. Okay, let's have some time together. Let's go fishing together. Let's go swimming. Let's, let's go play a little bit, but let's get the job done first. Jackie, would you come, please? So how do you prove that you love someone? By investing your time with that person. You know, I know that most of the time we throw money around like that that's going to make the difference. Rather than getting our hands dirty and getting out and helping people, we say, well, I'll just pay somebody else to come and help you. Can I say that that's really not love? That's more of a cop-out? Because I'm not really investing myself. Because, first of all, money is all replaceable. I can make more money but I can't make time. And so if I'm really going to prove to somebody that I love them, I'm going to have coffee with them. I'm going to spend time with them. That's the most valuable commodity I have. That's what Jesus did. Jesus spent time. He came down from heaven and spent time with his people because that's the way he could save them, by spending time with them. That's the example that he gave us. See, I, I guess if we claim to love someone and yet we won't help them or we won't, spend, we won't spend time with them, I guess that's a good litmus test to really how much do I love them. Wow. That's a big one. That's a big one. So as we begin the next decade of our, of our lives in 2020, Can I ask you to purposely love people? Can I ask you to intentionally go out of your way to help somebody? Intentionally be the church outside of these four walls so that if you ever do have the opportunity to invite them in, that they're going to think that they want to come in because you proved you loved them outside. I had this crazy idea, thought when I was praying for Chad at the Taco Bell, you know, if I didn't pray for him, I mean, there's, who knows? Maybe someday Chad's going to be in Charlevoix. And he's going to walk into this church, and he's going to see me as a pastor here for whatever reason, and he's going to say, why, you know? I mean, if, if, if I proved that I cared enough about him to pray for him then, it's going to make a big impact in his life if he walks in here, right? Those are just some things, guys, that we don't understand. We don't know what we're missing if we don't do things. We just have to be obedient. So as we pray together today, I want to just, I want to pray two ways. I want to, first of all, pray that you're not captive by your past, that you allow your past to be in your past and let it be done. Let it be over. Get over it. Don't dwell in it. Let it be gone. Let Jesus take care of it. But then I also want to pray that you invest your time wisely as you move forward. 
that you don't repeat the same mistakes that you might have done in 2019. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for the gift of time that you've given us. That you have given us all this time that we can use wisely for you. We can invest it wisely. And Lord, as we take the time now to honor you by remembering your blood and your sacrifice by taking communion today, I just want to use this as an opportunity that we can check ourselves that we can do an inventory. First of all, that we do an inventory of our sin. If there's sin in our lives, God, would you make it known to us that we can take care of it, that we can then make the choice to ask you to forgive us of that sin. And then you will be faithful in doing so as we ask. That's your promise. So this morning, as we prepare to take communion, I just want, as your eyes are closed this morning, I just want all of us to take this opportunity because it's a grievous thing, folks. If we take communion and we're not worthy of communion, it's a grievous thing. It's not something to be taken lightly. So either if you're not right with the Lord, then I'm going to ask you not to take communion. But here's a better way. You can make it right right now by asking Jesus to forgive you. You can be saying, Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sin? Would you make yourself known to me afresh and anew? I'm sorry for my disobedience. Please forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now keep your eyes closed for a minute. I just want, just as a show to to God, you may not, I'm not saying you're a sinner, but I'm saying maybe there were some things you had to take care of because we all have those issues. If you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Father, I prayed that prayer. I see the hand. I see the hand. My hand's up. My hand's up because there's things in my life where I've needed to ask for forgiveness. And just say, Father, thank you for forgiving me afresh and anew today. And that qualifies me now to have communion. It qualifies me to share into this table of communion. As we sing the song that Jackie's playing, I'm going to invite you to come up, as we always do, to the front, and we're going to have communion up here in the front. Jackie, would you lead us? And as she's singing, would you just stand with me, please? Just as I am and waiting not to Father, we just come to you now as we wind up a year and we look forward to the new year. What a better way to do it than at the table of communion. That we let the past be the past and we look forward to what you have in store for us in the coming year. Whatever that may be, we trust you with it. And we give it to you completely. 
And we have great faith, great confidence, great assurance, great peace, knowing that whatever was to happen, that you're in control of it. I have no fear of the future because I know who holds it. And I also know that you're holding me today.